Hello, and welcome back to Goddess of Crypto. I am here with my guest, Jennifer Capo. She is a story architect and a Web3 consultant. And if you don't know what those two things are, get ready because she's awesome. The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for being here. Hi, this is such a great surprise. I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you because it completely aligns with my whole work. So yeah, let's just get into it. Awesome. Well, I would love for you to share with the audience what drew you to Web3. What's your background and how did you develop to where you are now? I kind of was in that first tech wave in San Francisco. I was with like a lot of startups. Started back in 2012. So I actually went through that first wave when it was like Silicon Valley, superstars everywhere and Uber was coming up and all these other companies were like user design, like product design, like, and I went through that and I absolutely was so full of energy and there was so much promise and opportunity that I got really excited about that space. And then as time went by, it kind of died down and we started to see less people moving into sort of venture-backed tech companies. And sort of, I kind of moved into a different area as well. I kind of moved away from it and moved back to sort of LA story worlds and wellness. And then Web3 came in Web3, meaning just like this emerging tech boom with different sort of spatial technology or virtual technologies and a whole other thing. And we'll talk about that. And I got super excited because I was like, this is about culture. It's about community. And all of these things are resonating. I am going all in. And I went on a massive learning adventure over a year and a half in the last year and a half or so. And I'll tell you more about that. But that's the basic of it is I got the wind came and I jumped on the tails of it. That's basically it. That sounds fun. So you talked about wellness. You just touched on that for one second, but I know that that's part of your journey as well. And then you talked about LA. Do you have a background as a writer at the same time? Yeah, I am a writer and I've done like correspondence with CNN for the Dakota Pipeline over in Standing Rock, which was like the Native American. So I went as the media person to represent them and the veterans. And I've done various things like this I always have like a full-time gig and I always have a side full-time gig, but I'm a story caster. I go where I see something important happening and I capture the human element of it. And so as a writer and journalist, it's weaved in me. I can't help myself, but just pick up and go. Even if I have a full-time job going, I will still do both at the same time. So yeah, I've been writing as a part of it and film production as a part of it. I've just been like really low story worlds are really important. And the narrative is really important. You just called yourself a story caster. Is that a thing? Because I think it needs to be. 
Like that's a great moniker. I love that. I hold events and host events where I create a platform for curated stories. And this happens. And I believe stories can be not just words, but they can be the way um, it can be music. They can be movement. I think that we all carry stories as you and I have talked about is we're all made up of all these different stories and that makes our reality. I don't know if we talked about that or touched on it, but I believe that like when somebody can actually start to pick and piece together some important lessons and messages and stories that they can actually bring to the table, which is like their businesses, their, who they are, all the important lessons they've learned. I like to create a platform and give people framework and put them on stage and um, have them share their story through their modalities, either words, music, or movement, because I think all those things are part of it. So yeah, I cast stories. I find people that have these really incredible stories, and I try to give them a spotlight. So yeah, that's an important part of something I do. So talking about stories, we have a legacy of stories. It's definitely the thing that makes us human to connect through our stories. There have been oral histories as well as written histories. I've been reading a really fascinating book called The Boleyn Heresy about Anne Boleyn. It's by uh, Kathleen McGowan, (laughs) fellow redhead and soul sister. She's really remarkable. And if you're listening to this episode, any stuff that Jennifer talks about or that I talk about will be in the show notes. So that will be linked in the show notes. So the Boleyn heresy talks about the fact that Anne Boleyn probably was neither a gold digger nor a womanizer, but instead she had been inducted into this very ancient mystery school that was all women that passed artifacts of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and Mary Magdalene down in a rather unbroken line through a lot of the queens. There's a lot of historical evidence. Kathleen writes fiction but I think she writes fiction because if you say it's true, like she gets death threats. I mean, it's so controversial, but she researches the Christmas out of everything that she does. And in the Boleyn heresy, she talks about this oral tradition where the information is passed from woman to woman, from queen to queen, as she's being given these very, very important artifacts and these messages. For example, the idea that Mary Magdalene is a preacher, that she's Jesus's wife, that's so can still considered like so controversial. But when you look at some of the historical evidence, it becomes much more likely and much more likely also that the story was created to malign her because she was a strong woman and men didn't like that. And the first thing that led me to believe this was how did this woman who was like such an awful character give birth to the greatest queen of Europe and the whole Church of England, which is the Protestant movement, completely different from what was there before. That's two really, really, really big things dropped into this woman's lap for no reason. And I think that when we talk about story, we talk about the history is written by the victors and all of that. And that brings me to women's stories in general, I feel like have been told by men mostly unless it's an oral tradition where it was kind of hidden. And I think that that can't be really underestimated. So I want to just kind of back up a little bit because I actually haven't really read this work that you're talking about. But what I'm seeing through the lines is your passion for these incredible women that had played a lead role in shaping culture, 
which is through story. I think people pass down stories from culture to culture and doing that through her eyes is actually giving it a first account. And what I hear you saying also is that sometimes we read these historical stories and these books and different things, and they always have to look at who the narrator is to understand the perspective. I thought like it was kind of mind blowing when a friend of mine, I said, oh, you got to read this book. And they're like, well, who's the author? And I was like, oh gosh, I don't even know. (laughs) And like, oh, well, I don't even resonate with that kind of author's perspective. So I think that's the beautiful thing about what you're saying is like, maybe some of these stories have been written by narrators that are potentially men talking about the women. So it's really important to look at the narrator. And I think that's if women can start to tell their story firsthand, first account, and or pass down the knowledge through story. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like this framework of story where it's like all these complicated things. It can be very simple. The way we're speaking about it is through just a sequence of events, just like a mini story or something that's happened. I think that that's really important. I'm starting to look at those stories myself and really bring people back into them and look at some historical women figures and look at their lives and really like break it down and like see just how powerful they were and what they had to overcome to be able to like continue to empower the next generation and the next generation. So I'm not aligned with you in terms of that. I don't know the actual content of some of the stuff you're talking about, but I absolutely agree with that philosophy. So story, you and I, will we could go down the story rabbit hole in such a big way because I'm so passionate about it. Well, then tell me what does storytelling in Web3 look like or what do you think it's going to evolve into using Web3? So what I'm seeing is a couple components that haven't yet come together that are driven by new technology. Like we call this sort of metaverse, which is like really just It's not an actual destination. It's a broad term for a kind of more spatial technology and a virtual technology, which can be enhanced. Sorry, for me, the metaverse is just like the internet, but wrapped around your head, like immersive environments are the metaverse, but also being able to have an immersive experience online. Both of those things mean the metaverse to me. Yeah. And what I translate into is story worlds. So each different metaverse or each different spatial environment or virtual environment is like a story world. Like here you and I are, we're in Zoom. We're creating this sort of environment where we're having a conversation. It's cozy. I don't know what's in front of you, what you're looking at. So it's like, it's limited. So we could put ourselves in another environment and another story world. But I look at this new technology or old new technology as like story worlds. And so one of the things I think is becoming more important is to really create those worlds for us to put characters into, which people are putting themselves into, character traits into like these sort of funny character avatars and different things you see around. And then be able to create events, which is, this is the three components of story, right? Your character traits, the character identities, and you put them in a story world you give them something to do and then there's obstacles and then you have to overcome them. Hero's quest. That's what I'm saying. Like I look at everything as if it's the elements of story. And so for me, the technology is just allowing for us to create a more vibrant sort of 
story world. And brands that are actually figuring this out and playing with it and creating play, gameplay, gamification, even in the learning are the ones that I think are just absolutely, they get it. So to me, that's sort of what we're saying is like web three, but it's really just all of these different new, we're moving into this new sort of emerging tech that's going to allow us to be, to create more story and story worlds. And that's to me, the next beautiful aspect. And there's some negative things too, but I'm going to focus on humanity and the, the positive things. I love that. You talked a little bit about your wellness journey as well. And so how do you feel like wellness is fitting in with the work that you do? So I work with a a client that has like an app. It's a meditation app called One Giant Mind. And I run their academy and operations. And I've been doing this for the last six years. And I'm using Web3. Let's say I'm using Web3 tools to help the community connect in a stronger way, the community of teachers, because we graduate and certify teachers. And then there are teachers all around the world, from South Korea to Australia to London, everywhere, Hong Kong. And so we use like a Discord and I've gotten them all into sort of a community, these tools, tech tools that we're using. And this journey of wellness, it's always been in me to be in the wellness to take care of myself, my mind, my body, my spirit. But to be able to work with a meditation company, become a meditation teacher, and then go on all those advanced retreats and all the things that it offers over the last, since 2018, as one of my clients, it's completely changed the game in terms of like me being able to manage stress, me being able to understand how important it is in this new environment especially, and I hate to say, keep saying web three, but it's high stress. It's 24 seven. There's a lot of bad actors. There's a lot of stuff happening. And I'm seeing the wellness communities becoming, and they're not there yet. Like the new HRs, the new human resources for projects and businesses. And I'm seeing that. So do you mean that I would go to a wellness company to hire my staff because they would be better adjusted because of their wellness programs? Or are you talking about something else? Okay. So I'm kind of a futurist. I think all the time about where we're moving, how it weaves together, remember story, and then how it fits into the future story. So what I've been noticing is coming from the pillars of business. Okay, So let's go back to regular companies. A lot of the tech companies in the earlier days implemented sort of wellness programs. And we started to see like apps come up like Headspace and so forth. And Google's and those kinds of communities offered this as a perk for being an employee. And it really didn't expand to other companies. Like other companies didn't offer that. They offered like an HR and you could talk and maybe they would bring in somebody every once in a while to talk about stress, but hardly ever. They never offered programs like that. But what we're seeing in this sort of emerging tech space is that every single project, every single company, and all the conferences and summits are all incorporating a wellness component. They all are. Now, it's still still fractioned. It's still not like based on like these strong pillars that we would pitch a regular company because we're still setting up the governance of how this new emerging tech lives. But I'm seeing these wellness companies and wellness being a component of every project. If when I look at 
what's like I look at five years from now or two years from now, I don't see it so fragmented. I see it governed and organized and structured. Like I think wellness is going to be in every single business. It's not going to be like, oh, this is just a meditation. Just take a breath. And then you're going to have actually people that are trained how to actually facilitate. They're going to like walk you through stress, mental health, how to get help, how to, especially with this next generation, which is like the woke generation, they all are relying on it. It, They've been brought up with these apps that teach you to calm down. And there's a ton of mental health shift, uh, like mental health awareness. Every time there's a high profile suicide, we're starting to like turn the spotlight onto that's really been swept under the rug prior to now. So I definitely see that we're moving in that direction. My last guest, she's actually founding a wellness DAO and is already quite well along the path to having funding for that and to bringing names to it. And it's very interesting because you guys are talking in a very overlapping way. I got to be privy to both conversations. Hopefully by the time our listeners and our viewers see this episode, they'll have seen the one prior to that. But I love how this is dovetailing so beautifully with that because I think what you're saying from that future perspective is vital because it would mean integration. And the thing that has made me so frustrated with the insurance industry for years and years and years is the idea that we will not cover wellness. We will cover illness. There are some insurance companies who would always cover like baby visits, for example, but otherwise it's like one checkup a year, period, the end. If I say, oh, I need to go to the chiropractor every three weeks in order to maintain my back so that my back never hurts, they're not interested in covering that much, but they'll cover me for $10,000, $100,000 surgery when I throw my back out because they didn't take care of it in the first place. And that's like one of a bajillion examples. So the idea that we would move from cure to prevention, I mean, that would fix so much in healthcare and so much in the insurance business and so much in the workplace because of how many sick days people take. But I think giving like two mental health days a year or whatever would go a really long way to making people feel like somebody freaking cared about them in the workspace. So I love everything you're saying. Keep going. Once again, these are my own conclusions. So I do a lot of research and advisory and I do advisory. I have other clients. One of them is a a bank, which I won't be able to say. And they're looking at their Web3 strategy. And that means like their metaverse, should they be in it and just support. So I do a lot of research around these kinds of topics. But what I see is the next generation is driving kind of the needs of the way organizations are going to support them. And they're very focused on feeling mental health because of just things that are happening around the world. And I see the future of every single conference, summit, any kind of project, any organization will need to have a component of sort of this timeout, this Zen zone, this some sort of health and wellness that is actually teaching about stress. And so that's one of the things that I'm super excited to be a part of a company that actually, and I also a meditation teacher myself, to actually be able to see people change and transform based on bringing sort of this meditation or getting still or wellness into their life and watching them be able to manage stress at a more optimal level whenever they go into the red. That excites me. And so that will be part of every single thing that I do. 
But yeah, I see it as a mandatory in the future. I love it. I went to PodFest last year. Are you familiar with that show? No. I was four podcasters and it's pretty big. But as I was getting ready to go downstairs, I passed this thing called The Red Tent. And I'm like, wait, like the book? No, I know that one. I went inside and it was this beautiful room with red tents covering beautiful carpets and beautiful fabrics, but creating like a tent space. And they had flowers strung up and it was just two or three women who were like, welcome. And I would love to have you relax in here. And there was massage and there was some guided meditation and there were tarot readings and it was just super, super peaceful. But I loved the idea of that being encouraged. And it was really the first thing that I had seen that was like that specific. And I know that the Red Tent book was very famous, but the idea of just taking that time to, and of course they welcomed men as well. They didn't have to be a woman to go in, which I thought was interesting, but it gave us some, well, because it's not like what the original Red Tent was for. Yeah, because the Red Tent's. Yeah, for women to go, if you haven't read the book, for women to go in and... During your cycle or whatever. Exactly, yes. Anyway, so I thought that was really nice. And so again, there's something about nurturing ourselves that we tend to forget in business. And so I love the idea that bringing a nurturing component, a mindfulness, a wellness component allows us to kind of be in a more holistic environment, even in our work. And I think that's so important. The fact that you're bringing that background and you're doing this kind of work there is just so powerful. That's really wonderful. At the moment, like I'm not leading with wellness in terms of how I'm advising clients or setting up. I just embody it. And anyone that works with me is going to get that narrative, that perspective. And every time I write a research report, I always report conclusion is about humanity, remembering to step outside, get offline. Remember, there are people behind the avatars, the pictures, and just to breathe. But I just incorporate it and integrate it into the things I do. And that is leading to me. <laughs> it's a massive part of my life. It's a complement to the other business that I do. For sure. So we'll talk about that for a minute. There's people behind the avatars. There's people behind the names. There's a lot of toxicity. I was reading an article on Yahoo this morning, which I was like, why am I even paying attention to this? But I know why, because we were going to have this conversation in a couple hours and the universe wanted me to know about it. It was like 17 different stories of people exchanging online, like somebody going to buy something from somebody else. And each story, almost every single one of them deteriorated when the guy didn't get the price he wanted. And then all of a sudden people are just like, cursing the other person out. The other person's like maintaining total politeness, but the other person is just obviously super mad. You see all this toxicity behind, I don't know you personally, and therefore I can treat you like the worst. Why do you think that happens online? And what do you think it means about our humanity? I first started seeing it mostly a lot on Facebook. And so I kind of removed myself from conversations because I felt like every kind of conversation was a debate. And I just felt like that was not where I want to put my energy. And I'll get to the answer of that question as well, is my thoughts on that. And then, you know, I'm on Twitter because that's a big part of the tech community, emerging tech. Yeah, me too. And I see it on there too. And I just have to remove myself from those conversations because we have a certain amount of mind space. And the things that we 
allow into that space actually determine how we actually end up talking to ourselves in kind of a way, like what we are exposed to. It happens on the road too, in road rage, but you're in your car. So it's like everybody's on the road raging. I think I can't necessarily speak for, let's go bigger picture, like really big picture. Over the last couple of years, a lot of what's happened in the world really shocked people. It threw people out of their routines. Mothers had to stay at home and watch their kids. Like It created problems between spouses. It created a lot of conflict and challenge. And then, of course, there was a lot of division as well. People got really locked into this narratives and the stories that they wanted to be a part of or the communities that believed in what they believed. And I wasn't actually in the United States. I was in Indonesia and Bali, just sort of watching it all happen because that was like the place that I thought would be a great place to be. And so I was watching this sort of all go down and I was able to be one step removed, like the narrator, a narrator writing a book is watching it while it's writing. So in meditation, when you sit still, you can start to get tap into like sort of a different yeah, you could start to just be aware of your mind and your body and different things. So I was watching the world like this. A lot of people woke up to really weird stuff that was going on and they had more time on their hands. And I think that that's sometimes when you wake up from some of the realities you were living and stories you were living and they aren't what you thought they were, it can be a disruptive wake up. Like it's not graceful. And I always hope that when people sort of wake up to things that they wake up gracefully, but that's not what's been happening. And in fact, it jarred a lot of people in ways. I think we've seen a big division and a jarring, and we're now dealing with sort of the aftermath of that. Fallout. Yeah. Yeah. And creating a whole new cycle around that. And there are people that are standing up like empowered people that are willing to, and they're embodied and they're willing to step into like a leadership role to demonstrate and show how it's done, not just like tell, tell, tell. I think that that's what I'm most excited about is there are people that woke up and said, I need to adhere to this call and demonstrate and be it for others to see. And even the introverts being willing to step into that role. That's what I think is happening. And I'm not sure if it's the toxicity in that space we see in Twitter and stuff is it's just a lot of different people colliding and it's just going to be part of, I think, the way it works. We can only do as much as we can and be around the people that resonate. So like your community here, getting everybody like in a place where they're empowered, aligned, like their best self, like let's be around that. Exactly. Yes, I completely agree. Yes. And especially for women, I always talk about the fact that as women, we need to support each other, even when it's easier to say, look at her, she's doing this, or she looks like that. It's so important that we are kind to each other and we build each other up and we empower each other because there's not enough of that. And because as a sisterhood, I think we all have the ability to really change the narrative, to really change the story of our future, which you've been talking about this whole time. We are empowered to do that ourselves. It's just a lot of us, we've bought into the cultural beliefs that men have brought to us. And it makes sense. I mean, 3,000 years and now like the last 20 years, the story's been changing a little bit, maybe the last 50, if we're lucky. So we're just now starting to get to realize, hey, we have more control over this. And 
We can take ourselves out of the conversation. We can say, this is not where I'm choosing to put my energy right now. And that's a choice. And that's very powerful. I think a lot of people get drawn in and then it's like, they think, oh, I have to react a certain way, but you don't, you don't have to get drawn in. You don't have to react. And I think that you were talking about that mind-body connection, that kind of work, doing that meditation work. When you meditate, you get the top of the breath and at the bottom of the breath, there's a pause. And I think that you get the grace for that pause in the real world because of doing that internal work. That to me is enough. That's what makes such a big difference is giving yourself permission for that. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I'm thinking about a few things that you mentioned. I believe that I see a lot of male allies as well. And being in Bali, actually, I saw a lot of men working hard on themselves, working hard, like learning how to have more than three comfortable emotions. And there's just a lot of things that the way that those men are brave and the way that they can become even more brave is through us supporting them in their journey to evolve. And I do think we don't want to isolate and put into a stack all gender in a particular way. We really want to celebrate the work they're doing because they're going against the grain, everything they've been taught and brought up in. And it's not easy. And they're ridiculed by other men for it. So yeah, we can just support them and make them belong for the work that they're doing. And then they can give us the nudge and the push to keep trusting our intuition rather than fixing things and allowing us to step into our power and finding ways to hold space because they're natural space holders. That's like framework. That's a male thing. They could really hold space for us to become even more. So there's a real beautiful female male thing. But the other thing I wanted to just bring up, because I know we're running closer to time, is we're talking about many things here, like story and health and wellness and Web3 strategies. And I just want to kind of weave it together, if that's okay with you. (laughs) I'd love that. I always ask at the end, what's one more thing you want the audience to know? So this is going to be your one more thing. I love it. Oh, perfect. Okay. So what I embody is the connection of like empowering others to be connect with themselves, be them their best self. But I step into the world and I embody that sort of wellness. I live by these principles. And so that comes with me wherever I go. And I think clear head, not clear of thought, because like thoughts fine. It's just allowing those stories and limiting beliefs, noticing them and then reworking them and then being your best and then stepping into the world. Now I do this through understanding the power of story and power of narration. And I focus on like play, gamifying workshops, gamifying things through story, advisory on every project requires these certain things. So this new emerging technology space is toxic sometimes, but if we have those things and we step into it, all we can do is serve as an example of the kind of lead that others can follow and become. And so I'm just like really happy to be able to share this time. I'm not shilling anything. I'm really just encouraging everybody to wherever they are is to really embody those things and not be afraid to step into a toxic environment because you know that you're stepping in to demonstrate the power of all of the principles that you live by and then bring the play and bring all those things and change the conversation. So that's what I've got. (laughs) That's a lot. 
There you go. Perfect. If you have enjoyed this episode of Goddess of Crypto, please comment, please like, and please share it with all of the women in your life, your mothers, your daughters, your besties, your girlfriends, your wives, all women that you know. I'll see you next time on Goddess of Crypto. Every week, transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege. It's your right.